Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. Look, if you're listening to me on any one of the podcast forums where you can't see my slides, really want you to go across to my website at some stage and have a good look because there's a lot of charts there that I think you can get a lot of benefit out of. And uh, you obviously, my website is iloverealestate.tv or you can have a look at my YouTube channel. Now, I love your comments coming through. If you're seeing this on a replay, maybe on Facebook or something like that, give me some thumbs up, give me some hearts, give me some comments about what you'd like me to cover because I like to do these for you so that it benefits you. You can get uh, a better result out of your decision because you're making it across some better data. So let's have a look at what we're going to be covering this week. So first up, um, it's time to be brave while everybody else is fearful. Now, this is a unique period of time right now, and I want to explain why the data is showing we actually need to get cracking. Why the Australian job market is still you know, leading the world and why we can't find tradies for love nor money. Uh, why the economic forecasts are strong and households are uh, gripped by fear, which is really crazy considering what's actually happening in the market, just as inflation looks like actually going for a bit of a rollover, and how the latest census data solves the puzzle of the rental market. But uh, it's also telling us that the rental crisis will be here for a long time to come. So let's get into the data. First up, I want to talk about the jobs market. So Aussie jobs market tops the world. Um, basically, we've got jobs storming ahead. Vacancies are very, very tight and firms are having trouble securing workers. So it's a great time to be a worker in the market. It's a great time to, to step up and, and maybe change careers because the other thing that's happening is uh, employers are having to offer more for salaries just to attract somebody. So this is actually creating a bit of a salary hike. Obviously, we're seeing a lot of strikes and things like that in some industries where, uh, you know, they're, they're wanting a job, a pay rise and an increase. We've seen some of that. We're going to see more of it. But there's also another kind of sneaky increase that's happening, which is, which is quite good because we haven't had wage growth for so long. Um, we're seeing the uh, people moving jobs from one job to another job. And as a result, they're getting a better, uh, better pay rise, you know, and sometimes it's up to thirty, forty thousand dollars at the at the top end of town. So it's a it's a very interesting market right now. If we have a look at the charts, you can see on this chart here, this is the unemployment rate. Now we are at the lowest we've been basically back since the 70s, if you have a look at that. Um, and, and when you look at employment, there's a couple of things to take into place. So you've got uh, the jobs that are available, and there's around 500,000 jobs available at the moment, um, and the people who are looking for jobs, and there's about 400,000 people looking for jobs. So you can see we've got more jobs than we do people looking for jobs. Now, if all the people looking for jobs went and took those jobs, we'd still have a, a, an oversupply in, uh, in a demand for, for, for people to work. So we're, we're basically at, at full employment. Now, we haven't been like this for, for decades and decades. But it's a, it's a sign of the times. And it's really a product of what happened through COVID. 
I mean, obviously through COVID, we had, um, you know, the slowdowns, all those things. We shut the borders um, and we're just starting to get going again, but we don't have the labour force to fill it. Uh, there's been a lot of people who left the labour force, particularly at the older ages. There's a lot of people who went back to their overseas countries and haven't come back yet. And we haven't got the skilled labour coming in on any of the, uh, the visas. Now, there's just started to turn around, but it's going to be slow. So we're going to have a tight labour market for quite some time yet. If you look at this, this actually shows you the uh, the advertised jobs, and you can see they're uh, you know they're, they're right up there. They're way way higher than they have been uh, since really back in two thousand and six, which is you know awful long time ago now. This shows you the firms reporting labour as a significant constraint. So this is how the companies see the labour as a problem. So they're actually holding back some of their advancement and some of their, their um, you know, capital improvement on things because they simply don't have the labour force to be able to fill it. And uh, they see the constraint in labour as being a serious, serious issue. This is a report that came out during the week. So I'm going to break it down for you as to what it actually means. But it's actually showing you the decrease in applications per job uh, or per job being advertised compared to pre-pandemic per industry. So the first one I want to blow up here is information and communication technology. It's probably down one of the least if you look at that chart. It's down about 30%. So there's 30% less people applying for a job now in um, information and, and communication than there was pre-COVID. This shows you trades. Trades are down 57%. Not surprising we can't get a tradie to come onto our job sites and do the work. It's, uh, it's pretty hard right now. And that's why I always recommend that you have a great relationship with your A-team, being your trades as well. And, uh, you know, pay them on time. Make sure you treat them well. Um, you know, and they'll come back and want to do your jobs as opposed to, to others. Healthcare, um, down 36%. And healthcare is pretty tightly held, really, because obviously all through COVID, um, you know, the nurses and the doctors and the, all the allied health services did a fabulous job. All the, you know, the aged carers and everything. It was, it's, it's put a lot of stress in this industry. And we've actually seen a lot of people leave the industry because of the high levels of stress. Manufacturing is down 56%. Hospitality is down 74%. Now, that's mainly due to the fact that we've, we don't have a lot of overseas migrants that actually filled, or um, overseas you know, transient um, Australians, that, uh, that filled a lot of those jobs. So the, um, it's, it's an industry that's building now, and we don't have the, the skilled labour to, to fill those spots. So it's a trend right across the board, um, and we haven't even opened the borders yet to overseas migration. When we do, we are going to have an even more exacerbated um, shortage of housing and shortage of rentals, and that's going to play out in pricing. We are going to see pricing increase because of this greater demand, but we need it. We haven't got the labour force to actually keep the ball rolling here at home. We need to bring them in and we need to house them. So that's going to add added pressure to uh, you know what, what is already a very tight housing market and housing prices. This chart here shows you the net overseas migration um, per quarter. It started to pick up just ever so slightly, uh, and that is mainly for the um, 
for the arrivals of uh, 457 visas and the like. So visa arrivals as opposed to permanent overseas migration. It, it hasn't even started yet. Now, we're going to get up to somewhere around 200,000, 300, 400, maybe even 1,000 people a year. Uh, and in a labour, in a housing shortage that we're already 163 houses uh, undersupplied as we sit here today, it's going to have a massive upward pressure on pricing. This is a, an article recently in the uh, Fin Review, and it says skilled uh, workers visa backlog tops 16,000 applications. So not only are we, uh, you know, we're needing more people, the bureaucrats in the country are holding up all of the applications. Um, so um, perhaps they need to get a bit of a wriggle on there. This shows you how wages have been down for so long. And that's the wage index there in the green line. Obviously, the ups and downs, is uh, it averages out in the green line. And you can see there that in real wage terms, we have been going down for some time. So it is time for wages to increase. Um, and all the action that we're seeing and all of the, the, the um, demand for more labour will create a lot more increase in, in wages, which is, uh, you know, needed. So why is everybody so glum? Look at that poor girl. Doesn't she look glum? Um, and it's really about consumer confidence. Um, with the, the best job market in generations and a strong economic outlook, it's hard to understand why consumers' uh, confidence has been so low. And especially since inflation looks to be actually rolling over. Well, I've got some theories on this. And one of the theories is it's mainstream media. They are having a lovely old time with sensationalism of inflation and interest rates and cost of living. Well, let me tell you that inflation over the years, if you go back in history, every time we have had a period of high inflation, we have had property prices rise. Every time we have had a period of high interest rate hikes, property prices have risen. So it's actually a crisis of confidence that we're going through, not a real crisis. The economy's doing great. Unemployment's virtually zero. Um, you know, we've got, we've got um, uh, you know, a jobs market. People want to come here. We've got growth happening. Everything's doing well. It's just that the media is scaring the living daylights out of people. And that has meant that we've stopped spending. If you have a look at this chart here, this is a chart put out by Westpac um, and talks about consumer sentiment. And you can see there, we are nearly as low as we were when COVID was first announced and then the second big lockdown. That's how glum we are. I think everybody's, uh, you know, wanting a holiday and, and is, is sick of the pressure that we've gone through over the last couple of years. And perhaps that's exacerbating things. But really, I think it's a media, it's a media hype that's doing this to, to, to us. And it's hurting the economy in, in the big scheme of things. This is a, another picture of basically this one here has been put out by ANZ. It's saying the same thing. Consumer confidence is down. It's actually they're showing that it's lower than um, where we were with the second lockdowns in the middle of COVID. Uh, this here shows you the, the consumer confidence inflation situation over the last 12 months. Look at those drops. I mean, there's, there's simply no reason for this. The economy is doing great. But when we turn on the television and all we see is panic, 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 uncertainty, lettuces are $10, you know, um, tomatoes are $10 a kilo and everything's bad and everything's horrible and fuel and 
we've just been bombarded with so much negativity, it's not showing the full picture. Now, that actually creates a bit of an opportunity. And the opportunity is that the masses out there are listening to all this rubbish on television and mainstream media, and they get their news from the, the morning shows on Channel 7 and 9 and 10 without any real regard. And all of those programs are, are actually classified as entertainment, not news. Um, and they don't get past the headline. They don't even read the full article in, in things. And because of that, um, it's causing people to pull back and not act. Now, that means there's a gap in the market for opportunities. Deals are there to be had. You know, clearance rates are down at around about 50, 60% right now. So, you know, you've got to get out. You've got to get excited about this. This is the time to act. This is the time to get educated. This is the time to, to get out there and start taking positions in the market because we've only got a really limited space of time before the masses wake up to the fact that the, uh, the morning news is there to scare them and nothing else and they'll get back to their normal spending habits. This is the real GDP. Now, this is a bit of interesting here because it shows you um, the gross, gross domestic product, which is the growth of our economy, basically, in the red line. And the green line is our unemployment rate. So on top of all of the good economic figures that we're seeing, um, our, unemployment, our unemployment rate is virtually zero, as I said. If you match those who want a job with those the jobs that are available, if you could match them up identically, we would have full employment. So, you know, that doesn't indicate that we should be in this, this um, you know, non-spending mode and consumer confidence down at the floor. This is a tracker from, uh, from the Commonwealth Bank, and it shows you there how basically for a while now we've just been flatlining, flatline, flatline, flatline. We're not game to do anything because the media says it's all bad, so we better not do anything. We better just sit here and do nothing. And by doing nothing, you're going backwards. So it's not serving you. Um, you know, it's time to look above what the, the hype and hysteria is actually saying. Um, this shows you here how the spot rate for container ships is actually starting to come down. Now, that's one of the first indications that maybe inflation has turned. Um, maybe not quite yet in Australia, but certainly internationally. Because when we see that spot rate for travel start to turn over, what it means is that 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 filters out into all industries because what it means is it, it goes into um, anything that is being moved. Uh, it goes into furniture, it goes into computers, it goes into beds, it go anything um, because the, the, the freight rate is coming down. Now, that's going to be a factor of fuel and a few other things. I don't think we're going to see much of a relief at the fuel pump, but we are starting to see that reduction across the board. So that's an indication that maybe, at least internationally, the inflation rates have probably started to turn a little bit. Even the semiconductors that have been holding us back for a while with, um, you know, our, our ability to be able to, to get cars and all of those sort of things, we can start to see that cost coming down a little bit too, which is pretty good. So let's have a look at the census and why the census has solved, at least partly, the rental crisis. You see, rental prices continue to grow at a huge pace, and that's mainly due to the lack of supply in the housing department. Uh, vacancies remain incredibly tight, and this is all with zero immigration. That's what I was talking about. As soon as we open those doors to immigration, this is going to explode. Now, the census data actually showed a little bit of a movement, which when you multiply the figures out, it's interesting to the impact that it has on rentals. 
There's an article here in the Fin Review that says uh, rents uh, set to soar as vacancies fall to record low levels. So everything is being snapped up. And you can feel that if you're in the rental market. I know from an investor market, um, you know, I don't have properties that are sitting vacant for any length of time. I've got waiting lists to get into my properties. Um, rental crisis deepens as vacancy rates slump. All the, you know, the headings go on and on. And here are the real numbers. You can see it there in the chart. These are the numbers of rental vacancies. And we've dropped right back to where we were in the depth of um, GFC before we started to climb our way out of that in 2010. So you can see there where they are much, much lower than they've been before. And that's, you know, that's what's playing out in the market. When we look as a percentage, it's the same story, except it's even more exacerbated as a percentage of the overall market. This looks more like a heartbeat than anything else, but what it shows is the new listings coming on the market. And you can see there were obviously different types of year, particularly around Christmas time, that there's not much movement. And that's why it looks like a heartbeat. Um, but we've been up and down, up and down. Not a huge amount of, of, of difference there, but our demand is so much greater. And, you know, you can look at where, where we are there from uh, total listings on the top. This goes back to, nine, to 2014 before we were at the levels that we're at now. So, you know, it's, it's down. It's down on where it has been in the past. This gives you an indication across the cities as to how much those listings are actually down. Combined, we're looking at 25% down in the capitals. Um, but Sydney is, uh, you know, the worst of it, particularly for total listings. Um, new listings aren't too bad, but total listings are obviously down. Um, you know, the same for Melbourne. Brisbane's nearly 30%. Adelaide's nearly 26%. Perth at 17.7% down. Uh, the only one that's actually up for new listings is, is Hobart, because they've had a lot of uh, property come onto the market up there, and the same for Canberra. Um, but, you know, across the board, we're talking about 25% down on the, the listings for properties available for rent. So a bit of a rental snapshot there. It gives you the uh, the median rent paid across the um, the capital cities and, of course, the regional areas. And it's surprising, but one of the cheapest places to rent is actually Melbourne. Now, I believe a lot of that is due to the oversupply that was in the unit market in Melbourne. And that's kind of filtered out and hasn't really hit Melbourne yet. But as soon as we open those borders, one of the places that a lot of migrants want to go is Melbourne. And guess what it's going to do to those pricing? We're going to see a massive increase there. If we look at houses versus units across the cities, you can see, uh, you know, just what's happening there. Darwin is, is the main one that's come down. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a few others there that have tipped down, but most of them are tipping up. So households shrink when COVID-19 knocks on the door. Now, this is what I was talking about before about the census and how the census actually shows why we're in this rental crisis. So let's have a look at what that is. If we look at pre-pandemic, what's happened is that the number of people living in a house has come down. It doesn't look like much, but it's big when you multiply it out. You see, the number of people per household used to be 2.6, was for ages and ages. It's now dropped to 2.5. 
Now, that doesn't seem like much, but if you multiply that out, it comes to about 200,000 homes. Now, if you look at the number of homes that we are short at the moment, it's around 200 homes, 163 homes, I think it is at the moment. Um, as soon as we open up the borders, that could go up you know, to, to 500,000 new homes. Could go up another 200,000 new homes if we open up for 200,000 more people. So this is only going to be exacerbated as we move forward and we open up the borders. But it's going to happen. It's going to push up rental prices. Um, it's going to push up sales value of houses as well because more people jump in to get the higher yield. Um, and that, that'll offset a lot of the higher interest rates and other things anyway. And uh, that will push the pricing up. So... Hold your breath because it's coming. As soon as we have that immigration, it's going to happen. So my thought for the week is this. There are two primary choices in life. To accept conditions as they exist or expense, accept the responsibility for changing them. I love that quote because it's all about, you know, what you, what you want for your future. If you want to do something about it, you've got to do something about it. Sitting back whinging about things is not going to serve you. So there are two primary choices in life, to accept the conditions as they exist or to accept the responsibility for changing them. Now, if you're prepared to accept the responsibility for changing them, I suggest you go across uh, to iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash book yourself in. There's only a few um, appointments available for a 30 minute free real estate breakthrough session with one of my advisors. It's free. They'll go through where you're at, where you want to go and the best way to actually get there. So if you want to do something about it, you change, take responsibility, book in one of those calls and, uh, and let my advisors help you. You know, it's all about getting a better result for you. So that's it for me this week. That is the end of my Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass for the week. I hope you enjoyed it and I'll be back again to talk to you again next week. Bye for now.